Peter Yasik visited Sudan as a staff member for the Voice of the Martyrs. He met with believers to see how he could encourage them and assist their churches. But Sudan's Islamist government put Peter in jail and falsely accused him of being in the country for other, more sinister reasons. I was charged with articles like espionage or treason or supporting the rebels with ammunition. The sentence for, for espionage and treason, this was the death penalty. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. If you've missed the last couple of weeks of VOM Radio, I hope you'll listen at vomradio.net and hear the story of Peter Yasik. He's a VOM staff member who was just released after a 14-month imprisonment in Sudan. Those conversations are also available through your favorite podcast app on the VOM Radio podcast. Over the last couple of weeks, we've heard about Peter's experiences being locked in a small cell with radical Muslims and even ISIS fighters. These fellow prisoners would demean him and beat him. We heard how scripture would come to Peter's mind and how the Lord sustained him in his suffering. When we left off, Peter had been moved to another prison and was able to receive a Bible from a representative of the Czech embassy. Then Peter was charged in court, and he finally heard the harsh sentence that he might be facing. You know, when you hear the death penalty, I thought about the verse that uh, the Lord told to Peter after his resurrection when he said, Do you love me? Three times. And then he tells Peter, When you were young, you uh, girded yourself and you went wherever you wanted. But when you will get old, someone else will bind you and will uh, lead you to the place that you don't like. And I was thinking about that because now I was facing the death penalty. This was a situation where I continued to praise the Lord's name. At that time, having the Bible, I uh, systematically uh, memorized Bible verses because I was not sure how long I will, have be, I will be able to have the Bible. Uh, maybe in the next prison they will take it away from me. So I was systematically memorizing Bible verses. Every verse that spoke to me and encouraged me, I remember where it was written and I remembered I was memorizing the exact verse uh, uh, Verse, uh, so that I could use it in the future. You were moved then to a, a large prison where your co-defendants, two of whom were pastors, Sudanese pastors, talk about the, the fellowship that you experienced, because you've, you've traveled a lot for Voice of the Martyrs. You've met other Christians who've been in prison, but now you're in the prison with them. Talk about that fellowship and, and just suffering together for the name of Christ. 
Whenever we had a chance to shout at each other across the corridor, we were sharing the Bible verses. I say, hey, read the Romans 12, 12, which says, you know, uh, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and uh, persevere in, in the prayers. And so they, they again send me another verse. Or I said, uh, uh, read the Romans uh, 8, 18, you know, things like that. So there were verses that we were really able to encourage each other. Sometimes when they bribe, you know, the uh, the guards, they allowed them to stand in front of my cell and we were able even to talk more. And so I got the information about how was their interrogation and I could share how was my interrogation. It was the first time when we could share information like that. But the most important for us was that we were able even to pray together while we were just standing across the, the bars, uh, the outside of the cell and me inside the cell. It was a wonderful time and the Lord uh, also, were using us later on when we were transferred to the, the next prison for one week. It was a prison Umdurman when we were all together suddenly. We were all four of us together uh, so we could spend all the time from the morning till the uh, evening together. And there was also a chapel in Umdurman when during this week I could preach twice and also the pastors were preaching because there was every day we, we were meeting in this uh, uh, small chapel. And uh, so I was sharing with those other prisoners, not only my fellow prisoners, but other prisoners. Uh, there were Christians also, not only from Sudan, not only from South Sudan, but also from other African countries in that big prison. I remember that my first sermon was about John 15, when the Lord is uh, saying to his disciples, I am the true wine and my father is the wine dresser. And I was sharing this passage and I was also mentioning, uh, you know, the story of Monica Dra from Nigeria, the lady that her husband was decapitated in front of her. She was also, her throat was also cut by uh, Boko Haram in Nigeria, but she survived. And I was sharing her witness, how she's determined to follow Christ till the end of her life. And this was an amazing encouragement for those people who were at that time in prison. And uh, that was one week. And after this one week, we were transferred to Al Huda prison. And uh, in this prison that at that time there was probably seven and a half thousand prisoners and the capacity what we heard was almost 10,000 prisoners there was a chapel and that at that time we all uh, with the pastors together we saw that the Lord wants to use us to preach the gospel encourage the believers I remember every morning when I was uh, after eight o'clock walking to the different section uh, where the chapel was and it was upstairs uh, the second floor. Whenever I was walking upstairs, I was rejoicing in the Lord, uh, going to the house of the Lord. And uh, I spent uh, the whole time from 8 o'clock till maybe like 3, 3.30, uh, reading the Bible, preaching, sharing the gospel, encouraging those young believers. And it was also a time when I personally started to receive more from the scripture and started to understand certain passages in scripture that I read in my life many times before, but I did not understand them. But uh, suddenly the Lord step by step started to open these difficult passages to me. And it was a very amazing time, unforgettable time. And at that time, honestly, I, we, we 
we all stopped thinking about and asking the Lord uh, to be released, we saw that we will be there until the Lord will say it's enough and we will be there uh, to uh, proclaim the gospel there, to encourage believers and to do the work that the Lord has prepared for us there. What I just heard you say is we stopped praying to be released and I'm thinking if I was in prison, I would pray every day to be released. <laughs> Talk about waiting on the Lord and what that meant in a situation where you're in prison and you're going to be there until God says you can go home, waiting on the Lord. You know, uh, uh, one thing that even my family and my friends noticed, because at a certain time we, I started to be able to send letters to my family, and uh, when uh, they look back or look at my letters, they also noticed there was a change in my attitude, from uh, mentioning uh, looking forward to be released soon, looking forward to be with you soon. I stopped writing these uh, sentences in my letters. I was encouraging them by sharing the scriptures that the Lord was showing me encouraging them to continue with the Lord and I stopped mentioning any time of the release and the Lord showed me clearly that uh, uh, the main thing for us as Christians is to uh, really to learn how to wait on the Lord. When you open the, the Old Testament uh, Psalms, you will find it in so many places uh, that we are supposed to wait on the Lord. And the Lord showed me uh, many uh, characters in Bible, like Abraham, how long he was waiting uh, to have son. Uh, he showed me that I, I, I've been reading these passages many times in my life, but the Lord showed me clearly that uh, Rebecca and Isaac, they waited 20 years before they had uh, Jacob and Esau. You know, the, the Lord showed me many characters from the New Testament. I, when I read the Gospels, I read and noticed how many times the Lord was preparing his disciples uh, for sufferings and for persecution. Uh, you know, I read many times uh, these passages, but when I was in prison and I uh, read uh, uh, the book of Acts and I realized that uh, Paul had to stay in the prison in Caesarea for two years, just because Felix wanted to please the Jews. You know, these timelines uh, that are in the Bible uh, clearly uh, was like brought to my attention by the Holy Spirit. And I realized that uh, what it means to wait, wait on the Lord, seek his face and wait on him. Because, you know, in our country, in Europe, uh, in America, in the Western world, uh, we got used to the, I would call it instant Christianity. You know, you pray and uh, you should receive it uh, based on your face. And, uh, you know, we, we all know this term right now, in the name of Jesus right now. Yeah, in a, it, it works sometimes, but we also know that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and is praying according to the will of God. And this is the main fact, you know, how do we know, how we do know how, whether we are praying in according to the will of God. And even uh, when I later on I realized there was a prayer chain, uh, a prayer chain in my home church, fasting chain, which was, by the way, very encouraging for all of us. And when I shared this information, you know, then I, I heard uh, and I received letters from my brothers and sisters, and they also started to pray in a different way. They started to pray that the Lord will give me the right word whenever I will be preaching. This is, these are the words of Apostle Paul. So they people really understood uh, that it 
is not the matter to ask the Lord how long uh, and uh, release him, but start, they started to pray to give me the right words whenever I will be speaking and preaching the Word of God. So we get to the end of January, there's a court hearing, and finally the verdict is announced. Peter Yasek is guilty of espionage and all these other things, and Peter Yasek will serve life in prison. What was it like to hear those words in the courtroom? I was not that much surprised, even though when you hear that your name and you hear uh, life, imprisonment for life, it, it, it is a little bit uh, kind of stronger uh, than just what I have expected. And, uh, you know, uh, being released uh, later on uh, at the end of February and uh, returned, uh, having re returned home uh, after being sentenced for life, I can now say that even though I gave my life to Christ when I was uh, 15 year old, years old, I can say that now, Lord, the rest of my life is yours. It is in your hands. And here I am, and I want to serve you for the rest of my life. And that's, that's what uh, is my decision. And it is really a very strong decision to seek the will of the Lord and just to do whatever he wants me to do until I will meet him uh, one day. Let's talk about your release, because uh, you're sentenced to life in prison. They, they move you to the, the political prison where you think, you know, I could be here for years. On a Thursday, you're reading a passage of Scripture. What, what passage was that? Uh, and then what happened? Just a few seconds uh, before the officer came and announced my release. I was reading uh, the Psalm 126, where that it says that when the Lord uh, returned the captives to Zion, we were like those uh, who were in dream. Uh, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with uh, shouts of joy. And I was reading uh, this passage uh, about uh, when the Lord returns the captive to Zion, when a few seconds after that, you know, the commander comes, or the officer comes and says, Peter, you're getting released today. And uh, immediately it was like in a dream because I was not expecting because I, it, it came unexpected. And uh, when uh, the other pris fellow prisoners heard about that, uh, they also uh, started to shout of joy and rejoice because any time when a prisoner is released in a prison, even though others may also wish to be released, it is always encouraging you news when uh, in a prison. So they were rejoicing with me, hugging me, and I quickly had to pack my stuff. Uh, usually when you are released, uh, there are prisoners waiting for your stuff that they know that you will leave it. So uh, I could actually took my just carry on and, uh, and the clothes that I wore on myself that day and the rest of the clothes, I all, uh, they distributed immediately. Someone is waiting for your blankets, some uh, bed sheet, your pillow. So immediately everything disappears and uh, uh, so that was a moment of joy exactly and uh, again uh, kind of confirmation how the Lord uh, was uh, announcing me this even though it was only a few seconds before it happened. <laughs> so you're reading about the captives being set free and then the the officer comes and says Peter you're being set free you're the captive you're going to be set free. Let's talk about the fact that there are still two Sudanese men who were sentenced with you. You were sentenced to life in prison. They were each sentenced to 10 or 12 years in prison for aiding and abetting 
your espionage against the country of Sudan, which, you know, there was no espionage. So how could they aid and abet something that didn't happen? I know your heart is still with them. Talk a little bit about what it means to be free and home while they're still in prison. Yeah, this is, uh, in one, on one hand, it is a very joyful moment. And uh, even though Pastor Hassan was not in the same cell with me, because uh, in Cobra prison, uh, three of us, we were split, uh, distributed in three different cells. But during the day, I was able to meet with Pastor Hassan. And so he heard this news as well. He immediately came. And <clears throat> he was also very rejoicing with me. But I can tell you that uh, on one hand, I was full of joy. That, But at the same time, I felt like uh, leaving him there. It was a painful uh, moment. And I was glad that at least I could leave all the money that were uh, deposited in the at the reception of the prison. Uh, I could give uh, to him. I could also give him some uh, clothes uh, that I was leaving there. But, uh, uh, you know, it is exactly like that. I am here, I'm free, I am in a, back home with my family, but uh, my heart is still in, in Cobra prison with Hassan and Munim, with my two fellow prisoners and brothers. And uh, I realized after I got uh, really released, because I was still kept for like three nights, three days, nights uh, in a kind of, I would call it house arrest, uh, because I was, even though they told me now you are free, I was not free, I was still accompanied by security guards who had guns uh, underneath their shirts. And only when I came home and I returned, I'm, I was able also to talk to uh, Pastor Hassan. Uh, now I clearly see that the Lord wants, wants me to use also to be their voice. I was trying any interview, even from the secular media for Christian media, I always emphasize the fact that there is there are still two of them who are in prison and who are in the process of the appeal court. I'm also trying to do whatever the Lord wants me to do and whatever is possible here to be their voice, even on the European uh, uh, perspective or the whole world from the whole world perspective, so that their voice uh, through my uh, mouth would be heard uh, and uh, would lead to uh, their liberation as well. You know, it's interesting you, you use the word voice, and we are the voice of the martyrs. This is Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You've been working at Voice of the Martyrs for 15 years. You've been a voice for persecuted Christians. I think you're more of a voice now <laughs> because you've, you've been there. You've seen it. You were in prison with them. How has that changed your desire to serve our persecuted family around the world? You know, the Lord was showing me uh, much more passages that are the passages that have encouraged me and do, could, could encourage the persecuted church. And this is exactly what uh, Apostle Paul is saying in the uh, second Corinthians in the first chapter when he's saying that the Lord is encouraging us so that we could also encourage those who are coming through the similar persecution. And that's exactly how the Lord has been preparing me for my future role with VOM. I'm sure that the Lord wants to use me a lot again, but 
I'm sure because unfortunately my my name became public uh, and uh, this uh, this unwanted publicity is uh, something that uh, works against uh, my my role that I used to do so far so but I'm excited about the Lord because the whole testimony of my life is always like whenever the Lord closed one door uh, no one could op- reopen it and when the Lord opened uh, another new door for me no one could close this door so this is a testimony of my life and I can clearly see now and I can say it that I know that the Lord is opening new door for me even to be uh, a louder uh, voice for the persecuted church and uh, will give me and has given me already new words of encouragement for them so I'm excited about that I trust the Lord that he will continue to use me to his glory and for his kingdom. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Peter Yasek. He uh, just just a couple of weeks ago was released after 445 days in prison in Sudan. Peter, as we finish up, one of the things we always try to do is equip people to pray. I want to ask you two, two questions. First, how do we pray effectively for the families of prisoners? Because your family went through this as well for 445 days, wondering about you, what's going on, when will dad be home, when will husband be home? How can you coach us to pray for the families of those who are in prison right now? I think it is very important uh, to let them know that we are praying. For us, uh, all of us, uh, for our families especially, Uh, It was uh, very, very important uh, to know that people around the world, the body of Christ, is praying. For me, it was a great encouragement when I heard about the prayer chains, fasting chains of people around the world to praying for us. It's a great encouragement. It is exactly like what we see in the Old Testament when Moses was praying for the Israelites and uh, Aaron and Hur, they were uh, lifting up uh, the hands of Moses. I believe that when we pray for the families, which, by the way, we all, uh, three of us, uh, me, Pastor Kuwa, and Pastor Hassan, uh, who have families, because uh, Munim is still single, we all agreed that it was not us who suffered uh, at the most. It was our families, because we knew under what conditions we were. We knew sometimes the conditions were har- very harsh, but we were with the Lord. We were, he gave us strength to overcome it. But our families, uh, at first, they did not have any information. that only had some information. So it is very important to uh, not only to pray for them so that they would have courage, strength to continue, but also to let them know that you are praying. This is very encouraging to know. And I was so, I'm so proud of VOM, of the great VOM family around the world, because people and VOM family and the supporters family of VOM, because my family received, uh, you know, hundreds uh, of letters from all over the world that were very encouraging for them. Pray for their strength, uh, courage to continue the witness. People were writing me, and I received one letter after I got released that said that we are so happy that the name of the Lord is again mentioned in the media. Uh, so it is. Uh, so th- I w- think that we will now see the outcomes of many prayers uh, now, and the fruit of the Spirit will be clearly seen, uh, not only in our country, but uh, for the body of Christ around the world. So we've talked about how to pray for the families of prisoners. 
I want to shift gears and now uh, how do we pray for the prisoners themselves? Uh, and I think particularly of, of Pastor Hassan, who is still there in prison, but you know, we know prisoners in Eritrea, we know prisoners in China, we know other places where there are people in prison for their faith in Christ. How do we lift them up or, or how do they need our prayers during that time? I think it is fully natural for us. Uh, the first thought, what we always have, is to pray for them to get released. This is fully natural. It is always better for the families to be together, uh, for the fathers to be with their children, for the husbands to be with their wives. There's no discussion about that. And I think that's uh, that's n- uh, never wrong to pray for them being released. I, I don't want to say that I will stop praying for them to be released. It is natural, and we read it in many scriptures. If you are able to get free, just use it. You know, Paul says in one uh, passages in Corinthians. So I don't think there is any harm of praying to be released. But what I clearly see uh, from the pers- perspective of a prisoner recently being released, I stopped praying to be released because I saw uh, that the Lord had clear future for me there, uh, the purpose for me to be there, to use it for the glory of his kingdom. So uh, what I think it is very important, especially in the time before I came to this point, to pray uh, for the prisoners to, uh, so that the Lord would give them his supernatural peace that surpasses all human thinking, Philippians 4.7. This is very important, to have this peace, and not only for them, also for their families, to have this peace. When we have this peace, when the prisoners have this peace, nothing nothing can happen to them. They, uh, so we can pray so that the Lord will uh, show them his presence in the prison and uh, be with them, and, and we know that he will be with them, and he will lift them up, uh, so this is what is the most important because we don't know how long many of them will still have to stay there but we can always praise the lord that he is the one who is with them he is the one who gives them courage who gives them peace and strength to continue every day you know usually in prison the worst time is the morning when you wake up and before you get the first food sometimes you wait hours uh, sometimes you wait 6 7 hours till you get the first food in certain prisons so when you are hungry physically you are thirsty and uh, then uh, there is a kind of uh, situation where you can experience spiritual attacks but so uh, you know if we made a commitment to pray for someone we have to take it seriously not just say i am going to pray for you i will pray for him but it is a kind of like a, a battle uh, when we pray for someone uh, we have to take it seriously and when we make a commitment to be faithful to this commitment We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Peter Yasek, just released from prison in Sudan. Peter, it's such a privilege to be here with you and to see and hear how God has been so faithful to you. I think we were concerned for you, obviously, the last 14 months. We were concerned of, of what damage may have been done to you in this time of prison, but as we've been here together and just seeing you you're the same Peter Yasek. You just love the Lord more, and you've had this amazing experience of his presence. And I'm so excited to see the ministry that he has for you now. Because even, you know, when you had that dream in 2013, he was preparing you for prison. I think prison was preparing you for even greater ministry ahead. So 
Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for sharing your story with us here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for this opportunity to share my experiences, and thank you for all your prayers. Uh, I really would like to encourage all the listeners uh, to continue uh, to walk with the Lord, continue to deepen their relationship with the Lord, because I think we can deepen our relationship with the Lord even if we are not uh, in prison. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As always, you can go online to vomradio.net and listen to this conversation again. I, I think you may want to listen two or three times uh, as we've covered so much depth and, and so much deep truth that Peter has been able to share with us that God has shown him. Come to vomradio.net. You can also subscribe to our podcast and never miss an episode of VOM Radio. Pray this week for the prisoners. Pray for the families of the prisoners. Pray for Pastor Hassan in prison still in Sudan and continue to lift up the body of Christ around the world. And, and as Peter has shared, be serious about your own faith. Spend more time in prayer this week. Spend more time in the Bible this week. We can grow in Christ even though we're not in prison. One of our most listened to episodes on vomradio.net is interviews with Tom and Joanne Doyle about reaching Muslims for Christ. Tom has a unique perspective on the Middle East situation. He's written a new book about how God is working and how the church is growing in the Middle East. Tom and Joanne Doyle will be with us to talk about that next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.